Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path of recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Hey there, Glenn. Good morning. Hey, Mikey. How are you? Happy coffee day, right? Yeah, I know. Table for three today. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm uh, excited. I'm excited we have a chance to have another guest. Uh, looking forward to welcoming Karen. And uh, I think we'll need the extra pot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Karen, it's so great to see you this morning. Yeah, welcome, Karen. Oh, you guys too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you you're such a part of my recovery. I uh, have been since day one. <laughs> And uh, I really appreciate the fact that uh, you've been there for the next struggling and and challenged. Let's say, let's let's define me as challenged. Uh, we worked on that, Mike. Yeah, right. Uh, Accomplished. Yeah, it's just great that uh, and it's so it's great. It's a great segue to have you here at Coffee with us and and uh, to be able to hear a little bit about your story and then and then maybe over the next couple of weeks we can share on. Uh, on some step work so yeah well yeah it's great you know it's you know it's funny you know, we're local with karen and um you know, we don't talk a lot about length of time of sobriety because no. um, we're really focused on today but um i mean you know when, when i first met karen in in the zoom rooms um and we actually go to the same fellowship just different times when we go to to the zoom rooms i'm like you know boy i wonder how long you know karen has like you know three months four months six months you know especially she was going to the newcomers meeting and and Karen's got like twenty plus years or you know something like that. I'm like, holy crap, man! I need to shut up and listen. Yeah, right. So it's awesome. So yeah, it's uh, no, it's great to have you here. So I thought I thought what we could do for for us and our listeners is is uh, because you're going to be a frequent guest is to uh, maybe just share a little bit about your experience, strength, and hope with us. This Karen's morning. story. Yeah. Sure, sure, I'd be glad to. Um, you're right. I have. Uh, 24, just over wow. 24 years. Nice wow. work. Without a drink or drug. Um, you know, when I when I was using, when I was drinking, I'd, I'd like to say that it, that there were some extraordinary circumstances, something really different about me, but there's not. There's not. I didn't, I didn't grow up uh, abused. I didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, I had a great upbringing. I never mm-hmm. did I, it was never a time where I didn't know that my parents both loved me. You know, mm-hmm. my mom was home after school. Um, it was pretty normal so household. Was, as a so kid. was mine, and I hated that. I hated when she was home. I wanted the freedom. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I didn't. At the time, right. I was, in fact, I didn't really even do much drinking in high school. I, mm-hmm. I made good grades, and I was a cheerleader, and I, I just, it was pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was after high school that I started to drink, and um, I would say it got bad probably about 20, 21, 22 was when it really, when it really got bad. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple things that happened. There was a, um, when I was 19, I got involved in a situation with somebody that, that I had no business being with, and that was a, um, an unhealthy relationship for me. And there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot mm-hmm. of drinking going on mm-hmm. at that time. And by the time that ended, um, I was a I was a pretty regular drinker. I did end up uh, getting married, and the funny thing is, my husband knew that I was that I had a problem with alcohol at the time. He knew, and and he still married me. Mm-hmm. So 
I guess that's his fault, right? Yeah, but was, was, it, was it fun drinking? I mean, was well, it just like excessive fun, maybe abusive, or you know, did, did he see disaster? Years, well, no, he drank with me. I mean, he, yeah. we we had a lot of fun together for, yeah. for a little while partying, and we had a lot of fun. But then it shifted. Somewhere along the way, it wasn't fun. It, you know what? It was that fun. Line. It was fun until it wasn't. <laughs> right, right. And it's then, an invisible line. And then, like, I would go out to the bar to have a drink with my friends, but I'd say, I'm just going to go have one, but I would make sure I had enough money for 101. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, it, you know, everybody else would be going home at 10 o'clock because they had to get up and go to work, but not me. I would stay out. And mm-hmm. it just, mm-hmm. the cycle got worse and worse and worse. Um, after we got married, a couple years after we were married, we decided to start a family. And we, shortly after that, found out we couldn't. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was it. The the self-pity and the woe is me, that just took off. And that was my excuse for years. That's sure. that's why I drank, to mm-hmm. not feel the pain. Because we, we both came from five kids. We, we thought we would have yeah, four sure. or five kids. Mm-hmm. We wanted a lot of kids. And so that was my that was my excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, it so it continued it continued for a few more years, pretty bad. And you know what? It just got to a point, and I think most people in recovery have that point where mm-hmm. you just can't live like that anymore. Um, our finances were were not good. Relationships were damaged. Um, you know, I was hurting all of the people that I. That I claim to love, mm-hmm. so I say I love you, but I'm not treating you like I love you. All oh, right. And it was, um, it was just painful for people in my life to watch. You know, family had come to me, and you know, my sisters, my brothers, they, they saw it too, and they mm-hmm. brought it up to me, and we, oh, you guys are crazy. I'm fine. It's no big deal. You know, I'm young. This is what everybody does. So I, I blew it off. But down inside, I knew they were right. So they were calling you out on the on your actions. Oh, they sure yeah. were. They they. I can't say they saw it before I did because I knew I knew early on that mm. I didn't drink like the rest of them, but I denied it for a lot longer than right. you know than they wanted me to. They kept pushing me to to come clean and to acknowledge it and to do something. Right. Um, did they have other examples, Karen, in their life that that made them point out to you like did, did, was it was nowhere in your family, right? In in your immediate family, but was there aunts, uncles, somebody? They're like, oh man, well, you're you're out of you're out of control. You ought to be you ought to be taking a look at this. But there was some there was some heavy drinking in my household okay. when I was a kid. Okay. Um, and, and that's not my story to tell, but it right. wasn't. I, it just seemed normal to me. Right. <laughs> like, sure. It didn't. I don't. I guess looking back, it was. Uh, Heavier than than normal, right? Um, but to me at the time, I, I didn't I didn't know any different. So right. right. So it sounds high. like there was almost like a mini intervention done, right? Or or, or it, was, that, was that a one was, event or over a period of time? It wasn't one or? of those um, like they the ones from the TV They invited show? me to a dinner and then said, "Surprise, you're going <laughs> right. to rehab tonight." Right. It was it wasn't one of those, and I didn't get I didn't get to go to Laguna Beach or anywhere no, fun. I, there was no Laguna you know, Beach in my story. Either. I got I got to right. go to a hospital uh, five days a week right. for for a month, and no. um, but I, it was it they planted seeds, mm-hmm. and I could see, and I and I knew I knew mm-hmm. we don't we don't get sober without. We don't wake up one day and say, I think I'm an alcoholic. I think right. I drink wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't think I do this like other people. Right. No, we know that we, most of us will say that we knew. We knew right. all, we knew a long time ago. We just weren't at the point where we're ready to do something about it. Because mm-hmm. 
I still felt that pain of not having kids, and um, I still didn't know how to cope with life on life's terms without mm-hmm. without drinking. It just it was too hard for me. Right. It was too hard for me. Mm-hmm. So, so was there what was there like one big event? I, well, I'll tell you what happened. I always love digging in for the, okay. the crash right. for the big I'll event. I'll tell you what happened. Um, a couple days before St. Patrick's Day, national holiday, by the way. Amen, brother. So this Irishman um, goes out and maybe picks up some party favors, let's call them. Maybe. For some friends of ours. In case Pop ever hears this one, you know. As if he doesn't know, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I pick up some party favors for my friends for the Southside Irish Parade on Sunday. For those of you non-Chicagoans, you got to look that up. It's I mean, a big deal. It's it's life. It, I mean, is. it, it is. It is the event of the year. So... Um, Unfortunately, I took care of their party favors for them. So I was out for like a day or I don't know. But I came home on a Saturday morning and my husband was there and he said, yeah, I'm glad you're alive. Screw you. And he kind of walked out the door and Mm. I just snapped that morning. I just, something in me said, that's it. You're done. You can't live like this anymore. Mm. You cannot do this. So I, uh, called my sister, who I was very close with, and, and said, man, I need some help. I, I don't know what to do. She said, okay, I'll be right there. So I opened what was my last beer mm-hmm. and uh, drank it, and uh, she came over, and that was it. I went back to my folks' house for the weekend, uh, started treatment. That was a Saturday morning, started treatment on Monday, which was St. Patrick's Day. Mm. Wow. So that's how the Irishman got sober the day before St. Patrick's Day because that's amazing. March 16th, yeah. uh, 1997. That was, that's your day. That was my first day without alcohol. Wow. So as we like to do on our show here, we like to break it up into sections, right? So, you know, sure. from, from the experience, what happened, right? So it brings you right up to the point of what happened and, you know, on St. Patrick's Day. So let's shift gear into strength, right? What, what did we do with the sober gym? Right. Mm-hmm. What what do we do? What do we learn? Uh, what new new tools are we using? Um, you know, so that you get twenty four plus years of sobriety. What I learned in treatment was that if I was willing to change, I could have a different life. But I learned it would not be easy. I had to. I learned about the uh, the twelve step program, and I, and I don't care what your addiction is. It you know if it's if it's coffee or pasta or alcohol or drugs, or if it doesn't matter what you're addicted to, mm-hmm. but anybody in a 12-step program will tell you that the, the steps will change the way we think. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to face life without having to drink. So well, I, well, they actually say that the 12-step program would be great for everybody. Yeah, and right. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. There's, there would be benefit for every right. everybody in some of that material for sure. But I learned about the 12-step program, and that's that's probably my biggest tool, of course, is as you guys know, I still go to many, many meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I pick up the phone. I talk to other people in the program, and, and when I'm having a struggle, I I say, hey, man, I'm having a hard time today. You know, you got a minute to, to talk me through this, you know, to, mm-hmm. or just let me vent about something to the outside world that would seem silly, but mm-hmm. to me, it could be disastrous, so I need to get it out as soon as I can. Um, I learned about uh, I learned about prayer, and and I had been brought up with prayer. I was raised in a in a Catholic household. I had 12 years of Catholic school, 
I had a God in my life. Recovery gave me a different relationship with that same God. I have the same God I always did. I, I just have one God. It's just, mm-hmm. He's always been there. It's the same God. But I have a different relationship with him today than I had before. There's, I got the spiritual side of, of that relationship in the AA program in recovery. So let me dig in there. Because um, I'm, I'm thinking about my God. I'm probably the same God, but I, I, I had to unlearn a lot of stuff and, and, and learn a lot of new ways of looking at it. Um, did you have to go through the same process, or, or did you just plug in better? Or? Well, I think what happened over time, over time I developed spirituality, which is very different than my religion. Mm-hmm. Religion is is rules. My organized religion. <laughs> well, it's what I, it's what I do in church, and and I still have great respect for for the Catholic Church and for my religion. And I'm I I don't I don't pretend to not be a Catholic anymore. I I am who I am, and that's very important to me. Spirituality, on the other hand, is a little different. Spirituality to me is how I treat other people when I'm out in the world mm-hmm. every day. You know, it's it's am I am I honest with my word? Do I do what I say I'm going to do? Do I show up when I say I'll be there? Am I willing to get outside of myself and help someone else? That's the spiritual side of me. How I treat other people. Mm-hmm. So the religion is very different. Sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they're very separate. So things that you've done, you've you obviously dove into AA, right? Mm-hmm. And so you through treatment, you dove into AA. Um, really worked on spirituality. Is, is there anything through the, the 12 steps? Um, I mean, my my assumption is you finished all 12 steps. I mean, I see... More than once. Yeah, so... Um, <laughs> until but they I, add more. I have to... I can't, I until can't the just, second book comes out. Right, just, I mean, just until, don't do the 13th step, right? Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, what... How did you benefit from working the steps, A, initially, and then B... What benefit do you get from continuing to work the steps? Initially, working the steps helped me to learn about myself. Why do I behave like I behave? Why can't I process life like normal, so-called normal people? I don't know how normal they are, but why can't I process life without alcohol? So I learned about those things in me, those characteristics that, that needed to be worked on that needed growth or change or they needed to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. That, and I needed to learn life skills. I needed to learn how to handle sadness and joy and disappointment and happiness. I had to learn how to handle all those emotions without drinking. Then, and, and then I was able to go through the rest of the, you know, the, um, the other steps like where we would make amends and I was able to fix some relationships. And so once I, the first time through, it was kind of like cleaning up all of the things I had messed up over those years. Mm-hmm. After that, by the time I started going through the steps a second time or a third time, um, I think what happened was a deeper level of understanding of myself mm-hmm. and a deeper level of understanding why it is I need to help the next person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I liked... The first, the first time through was great, but each time I do, let's say, a, a new fourth step, for example, mm-hmm. I learn something deeper about myself, something better. And you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong there no. because it just brings a self-awareness, and that's what I've learned in the, the, in the program is that 
what you it's what you it's learning the self-awareness and then what you do with that self-awareness right so if you're identifying a new de- character defect boom you're addressing it right away so things don't compound and and at the mm-hmm. end of the day we don't drink over those things that might compound right we don't do any more damage to relationships that we have to fix that's right so and if it is it's something usually minor if if i hurt somebody it's certainly not intentional right. um and, and when I do, I can say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Mm-hmm. And I don't say, you know, my least favorite thing, I, I, it just makes me cringe when people say, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. And that, that's not <laughs> acknowledging my part in it. Right. You know, if someone says, you know, like my sister and I are very close and she'll say, you know, this, it really hurt my feelings when you blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And I'll say, instead of, like, if I were to say to her, I'm sorry you feel that way, that's just totally negating her feelings altogether. But today I can say, wow, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I never would have wanted to hurt you. Right. Like I can I can own that today and and it doesn't have to destroy our relationship. Whereas in the past, right away I would be defensive and well, if you didn't, you know, it would start with you instead of starting with I. Right. In recovery I find that when I start with I, the results are very different mm-hmm. because I'm coming from a place of owning my stuff mm-hmm. rather than making someone else responsible for me. So what's so impressive to me is that's 24 years of experience talking. 24 years of experience talking. And what I what I see in you uh, so often in, in uh, our meetings is that, in our coffees, is that you take this kind of freshly one day at a time. So you're approaching, your your life approach is, okay, I'm, I'm focused on today, which means I'm focused on the relationships of today, the situations of today, and my self-awareness of today. And and it doesn't seem to me that you spend too much time in the past or too much time in the future. You know, I prepare for the future because that's what responsible people do. That's right. Uh, you know, I prepare for retirement and prepare, save money and because right. I'm in a sales job. So, you know, I might not get a check next month. Right. So I, I'm responsible. I save money. I do. I look forward to events with people. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Right. I don't obsess about it and I'm not fearful of what the future will bring. Right. A lot of times I, I meet gals in the program who are who are afraid. Super and, and anxiety. Usually, yeah. And right. usually we're, I see that we're afraid of something that has not happened and may never happen. Right. That's that's my. I see that all the time with fear. People are afraid of things that haven't happened, right. and they may never. And then in the past, you know what they tell us in the promises: we don't regret the past or wish to shut the door mm-hmm. on it. It is the past isn't. It no longer controls me. Mm-hmm. It no longer owns me, mm-hmm. and I'm no longer ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. It's not um, like the things that I did. It's not who I am. They're just things that I did, and. The past now for me is just a it's a it's a stepping stone, it's a learning tool. You bring it into your you know, your the past helps me determine my future. Mm-hmm. I don't want to that's live awesome. like I used to. Right. So that's <laughs> yeah, all that's awesome. use I, your past as a tool, um, a learning tool and and that's it. You know, right. don't don't obsess over it. Right. Love it. So I've got, you know, Karen, love having you stop in and join us for a cup. Love having the opportunity to buy you a cup of coffee. Um, you know, a couple of things that, that stuck out to me. Num- number one, you know, and I realized it myself, you know, but there's significant value in working the steps numerous times. <clears throat> Excuse me. As I look at my story, you know, I probably learned 20% of what I learned going through it the first time. 
but I learned so much more working with others and going through the steps and doing the steps with them and, and you know, just you know, deeper, deeper, deeper. Second thing is, you know, when, when you were talking about a new way of living, right? Um, and, and this really hit me is, you know, people around me today, they see my intentions, right? They see my focus. They see I'm trying to live a new way and I'm trying to do the right things. So when I do mess up, you know, and I do come back and I'm like, hey, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Sometimes I do say things that I just, they're awesome in the moment and I regret it later. So I go back. <laughs> but, but, you know, if, if you're living a new way, right, people look at you and say, hey, you know, I understand. I get it. Hey, yeah, you know. And, and that's kind of the relationship that I'm building with my wife is, hey, I still step in crap without a doubt. Um, but she, she knows, you know, my living amends. She knows, you know, kind of my intention and purpose of how I live today. It's to support her. It's to serve her and, and to be positive, right? Positive effect. Mm-hmm. So, Karen, cannot let you go. I mean, we like want to, sh- you know, shift gears. We certainly ser- heard some hope, but we want to hear a snippet about your grandbaby, right? <laughs> um, oh, her face just lit up. Oh right, boy! Right. So, <laughs> so turn the lights on, so Karen. We uh, don't have thirty minutes, but um, just want to. Yeah, let me show you. Let me show you these six hundred pictures really quickly. <laughs> That's certainly well, part of the promises coming true. I will tell true. you this. I will tell you this. Because I was sober, we ended up adopting um, hmm. an 11-year-old girl. Hmm. Our daughter, Christy, moved in with us when she was 11. Mm-hmm. We adopted her permanently when she was 13. And what I learned was that my selfishness, trying to change the course of my path that God laid out for me, kept me from her. I could have met her sooner. But God's plan for me was to, he was saving me for this this little girl who needed me. Mm-hmm. Nice. And we have had a wonderful relationship, well, once she got out of high school anyway. <laughs> um, but now she, you know, we were able to um, to help her get through college and, you know, and and, and the, the full circle part for us is that she's with us because her biological parents struggle with alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. So... That's what uh, that's the cool part for us is that it comes full circle, and so she's married now. I have a wonderful son-in-law who I just adore, and she brought me this grandbaby a couple months ago, and these are these are these are blessings in my life that would not be there if I were still drinking. Yeah, you know, so it's certainly yeah. it's certainly worth it. Boy, it's certainly worth, worth it. it. Yeah, and you know, I I don't uh, as as I recall or review the promises in my head. There's twelve of them, and none of them are you're going to have a beautiful grandbaby and a beautiful daughter. Right. But the, but that's the beauty of the program is that a lot of things have transformed in my short career in my short career as being sober career uh, that that weren't listed on there. Just promises that have come true. Um, Karen, it's been great to have you here this morning. I I, uh, I look forward to getting you back and really taking a deeper dive into some of these things because what I heard is you're working your program, and that's and what I heard from you in the notes that I took this morning is that you have a willingness to work this program because the program works for you. Absolutely, yeah. one day at a time. One that's awesome. Time. Yeah, love right, to have Karen. you back again. Hey guys, thanks. All right, come back. Thanks for joining us for today's coffee chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. 
Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.